Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm a, a big old fan of the film we're discussing this week. We're recording this episode on Dan's birthday, just like last time. It's a double record, so if anything's happened in the world, we don't know about it. We're recording this in advance. And I think you should take this opportunity, precious Arrowhead, to wish Dan a very happy birthday, even though to him it was ages ago. Yeah, maybe send him a tweet or a, <laughs> or a blue sky or whatever it is uh, you kids they've got do. A, they've, they're using a name for that, for tweets on blue sky. Oh, yeah. And I, I, and I don't know what, I can't remember what it is. It's dumb. I don't like it. <laughs> is it blue sky thinking? It's like twips or something. It's, oh, it's stupid. It's, it's derivative. I don't like it. Oh, no, I don't it like it. should be that. its own thing. Yeah, it's really, too Twitter related. It really should. Yeah. Shut up about that, Dan. Let's just talk about Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear your opinions on tech, granddad. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, uh, the reason I can't wait to talk about uh, Bruce Lee this week is because I bloody love The Way of the Dragon. It's the first film he directed. It's his only completed directorial effort. And it was the last uh, film released before his death. And as such, it's a really, really important film. As a director myself, for me, it's his most important film, even more than Enter the Dragon. And I feel like everything you need to know about his style and taste can be found here. You know, in positive and some kind of negative ways, unfortunately, but mostly positive. And he directed it, he wrote it, and he even drew the storyboards. Some people would call it a vanity project because of that, but I call it the work of a true, true artist. Easily my favourite Bruce Lee movie, in case I haven't made that clear. Dan, how do you feel about The Way of the Dragon? I don't think I had seen this before. Oh, wow. Holy shit. I know this happens occasionally on the podcast. Yeah. Where I, think, I, just, I think I've seen a movie. Like I said last time when we were talking about how I chose Big Boss that like all these movies had sort of blended yeah. into one for me. Like the, My relationship with Bruce Lee was that I had seen the poster for Enter the Dragon. I'd seen a bunch of Shaw Brothers films dubbed into English and a bunch of sub-Shaw that were like aping sure but in the way where they just have like crazier weapons mm -hmm. or like more extreme like punching and like but like over the top not a lot of skill mm. um and then i think when i saw bruce lee films as amazing as his fighting is because you know obviously he was world class mm. um the the pacing of them because it's so different to the sure stuff i was like well, what the fuck is going on here what's this so one of the reasons I was excited about doing this is because I haven't seen a lot of these except mm. uh, Enter the Dragon for a very long time. And I was excited to to be like, well, yeah, maybe like the, the pacing's going to be... Because like I post the Shaw Brothers stuff, I got very into Japanese cinema and that structure's, you know, very different to the, the Shaw stuff. The traditional yeah. Asian martial arts stuff is, is always much more sort of like plot heavy and laborious and tends to end with a big finale, but is a bit more slow getting there. I was not expecting the comedy content at the beginning of this. They mentioned Tati in the in the in the commentary and I, when i was watching it i wrote down uh monsieur uli's holiday because yeah. <laughs> all that like sort of like bruce lee dicking about with soup in the airport stuff was just astonishing like it took a minute for me to realize that i love this movie but yeah i definitely do love this movie i like i'd seen i'd seen fights from it but i don't think i'd seen them in context of the film and i definitely hadn't seen the the comedy content 
Well, it's uh, th- those kind of clips are all over any documentary that you'd watch about Bruce Lee. Of so course, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of it's similar to um, Alien, where I felt like I'd seen Alien before I'd seen Alien because I'd seen the chestburster scene so many times on various kind of documentaries and um, yeah. But for me, th- this is a really interesting one because. I'm exactly the same as you. My experience of Bruce Lee movies is exactly the same <coughs> as you. Um, Sorry. I, I love the Shaw stuff and the pacing. It's exactly what you just said. I don't need to say it again. But the way in for The Way of the Dragon for me is it feels so much like Italian exploitation and not just because it takes place in Rome. It's shot like a spaghetti western with the crash zooms, which I included in my first short film. It's one of my favorite yeah. techniques and it's all over this movie um and yeah to skip ahead to the extras the best extra for me one of the best extras of this whole box set is the documentary the way of the camera which really does justice to the production and i love how much time they spend on it feeling like a spaghetti western because that's absolutely how i've always felt about this movie it's, it's one of the main reasons i had it as my choice before we even got to the box set and the extra just really moved me i was really emotional when it was over it's a great tribute to a perfect film but yeah the the leone influence and as i said last time on the last episode bruce lee was really influenced by clint eastwood's career and the way he established himself and so I can really feel those influences in in this, his first film. But he doesn't just go the Clint Eastwood route, as you say. Like, he doesn't set himself up as a cool guy, certainly at the start. You know, (laughs) he gets there by the end. But all of that comedy stuff really feels like almost a parody of what he's done before. It starts with that close-up and pulls back to reveal Lee in an airport, embarrassed about his rumbling stomach. And it's the start of this silent sequence, as you say, where his low status is revealed. And it's such a great starting point for this film. He had a reputation for being arrogant, but the opening makes me feel like he did have a sense of humour about himself and a gift for comedy. And perhaps if he'd been able to direct more films, he would have gone down a path more in line with the kind of stuff Jackie Chan makes. Which isn't to say he wasn't proud. Like, look at all the wides in the movie. There's fixed camera wide shots. And this movie doesn't try to hide anything. There's no cheats. It's just a spotlight on this man's skill, his talent, his pure genius. So, yeah, so much cool shit in this film. It feels like a Sergio Leone movie. Uh, Yeah, I really, really love it. It's easily my favourite. And so, yeah, first time watch for you. Did you pick up on any of those influences? Did you get a spaghetti western feel from it? Or or what was your take on this Yeah, I mean, they literally use... They literally use chunks of soundtrack from Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. When. Uh... Yeah. I mean, it's 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 dripping with Leone influence. Yeah. Um. And I hadn't considered it uh, in the context of of what you were saying last time about what Eastwood did with going to another country, building a name for himself, and then being able to come back to the states. This like sort of prodigal son returning. Yeah. But that. But this feels very in line with that. Yeah. It, it also, I think it it probably resonates with how he felt underappreciated in america as well like you know the, the his character turns up and they're like oh we thought you were going to be like a lawyer or something coming to yeah. help us with these uh with these bad guys trying to bully us into selling the restaurant and you're just some like some hick some some local they make a point on the on the commentary of the fact that the the language he's using when he's talking um is very rural 
is very ill-educated and, and that really underlines his low-class status as, as well as all of the stuff around the Italians um, in the airport and uh, at the beginning uh, and that sort of like slightly peculiar almost sex comedy stuff that happens at the beginning of the first act yeah but then even um even within the 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 sort of the social circle of his of his countrymen he's seen as quite low class and it's not until he can sort of show the use of his fists like you know how, how useful he can be that, that he starts to win their respect and obviously it's it's very fast one like they're very quick to be like oh yeah he's amazing chinese boxing is the best <laughs> we renounce karate yeah and you touched on it a little bit there the kind of sex comedy stuff at the start that is in the realm of of the negative stuff for me walter chaw talks about it in the hardback book that comes with this set and he puts it way more eloquently than i could in on this podcast but some of the comedy stuff it's uncomfortable revisiting it it was probably uncomfortable at the time i first watched it to be honest but you kind of just think oh this is of its time and and all the rest of it but it's the first time i've watched it since i directed movies myself and so some of the choices that lee makes in this are you know a little bit choices that i wouldn't make let's put it that way well, the, um, the nudity was missing when you saw it the first time yeah the nudity I, I'm, I'm, was I'm, cut out in the uk and us wasn't it actually yeah i'm not so much talking about the nudity i'm more talking about the the gay character oh yes that is unfortunate yeah yeah so i guess the reason i kind of link them in my mind is a it is the kind of character that would pop up in a sex comedy and b i think they're probably connected it's communicating how masculine he is you know women get naked at the drop of the hat for him even in like a mix-up kind of style and he's rejecting homosexuality with that character so yeah not great qualities but for a guy like lee working in the film industry at that time i think for whatever reason he decided to use this as an opportunity to communicate the fact that he's super straight bro and i don't like it i mean i guess it's an it's an era thing as well yeah. you know like it's it's not like that wasn't an uncommon like portrayal exactly yeah yeah, and that's it. That That's why that I think before it's never bothered me to the extent that it bothered me this time because I just thought, oh, well, it's of its time. But like I say, watching it as a director, thinking about all the steps you have to take to include that kind of thing, you know, including in the script and shooting it and all the rest of it, there really should have been a moment where someone just stopped and went, actually, you know, this film will be so much better without this shit in it. Um, but anyway... I don't want to focus on the negatives, just that's something to be aware of. If you haven't seen this film before, there is some very uncomfortable stuff in it, but there's also lots and lots of awesome stuff as well. So if you can move past that, then uh, there's a lot of great stuff to enjoy in Way of the Dragon. It has like iconic stuff that you want from Bruce Lee, yeah. and then it is also fascinating as a, as a time capsule as well. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. That's a perfect way of putting it, yeah. It's not perfect in other ways actually like the filmmaking itself even though he worked with uh, nishimoto who is a, a master cinematographer he shot uh, come drink with me which is one of the best ever yeah. sure films and super inframan which is another one of the best but in a very different way there's some stuff in here where it shows how quickly they were moving because there's some out of focus stuff in the setup and it's almost it kind of maybe even communicates how much attention was spent to the fight stuff because the fight stuff's perfect but some of the incidental stuff is weirdly shot 
it does feel like uh, Nishimoto was was in a rush. How did you feel about that? Did you pick up on any of that stuff on your first time watch? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think they um, they talked about the, the 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 type of the scope that they were shooting on meant that they were shooting shoot, they were using the film in a slightly peculiar way. So you're getting about half as much of the film per frame as uh, as you would with the the normal photo- uh, photography method for 35 but it meant that it was much harder to get an accurate focus without careful measuring yeah and so particularly when you're having to when you're either literally getting into locations like the coliseum by bribing officials mm. or when you're running a seven-man crew in a non-closed down airport and you have to just like run, you, you're allowed there but you, you really like got to run and grab what you can get and get out then obviously the the aesthetic is going to suffer for that whereas the fights were predominantly shot back in hong kong mm. where they had a bit more time yeah you know lovely painted backdrops and a couple of fake uh arches yeah. uh, and you know throw in a couple of cats and love it. your uncle you can spend all the time you want measuring out your shots yes everything is improved by cats and yeah nishimoto actually created shore scope so he does have yes some, you know history with this kind of thing absolutely well incredible but you know he, he he was also there for the beginning of toho scope as well in yeah. fact shore scope was derived from toho scope so yeah, Nishimoto, an absolute and he over, just amazing, absolute hero. He did actually shoot parts of Bruce Lee's final film, Game of Death, but it was also Nishimoto's final film, and he only shot the the Bruce Lee sequences on that. So, in a way, um, Way of the Dragon is is truly his last film for me. And despite those out of focus elements, I think he did exactly what he, he was needed, and. Um, yeah, some spectacular crash zooms in this film. So, uh, yeah, great, great, great. And like The Big Boss, it was the highest grossing movie of the year and the highest grossing film full stop in Hong Kong until Enter the Dragon shattered the record, grossing the equivalent of 700 million worldwide adjusted for inflation from a budget of 130K. And that's that's a fact that I got from the commentary, by the way, and we should move on to the commentary because I know that you listen to it and uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic commentary uh, by Frank Yang and Michael Worth. I learned a lot from it and... Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, they're just so, 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 so knowledgeable, but also very, very accessible. I loved it. it, it it's like listening to a conversation between a couple of friends and uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed the style and the rhythm of this uh, this talk track. How did you feel about it? I absolutely loved it. It's. I mean, I often watch uh, or listen to audio commentaries at 1.5 speed. That is not possible on this one. It is so dense. Yeah. <laughs> With information yeah. that uh, I often find myself rewinding, like you know, ten or thirty seconds, just to just to be able to make more notes. They reference so much stuff. They have such an encyclopedic knowledge. I mean, obviously, you know, you and I know Sam that you can you can actually do a bit of research if you want when you're asked to do these things. But even then, the the sheer volume of info that they're able to draw from when they're talking about this film, not just about the the specifics of the film, but about all of the lives and careers of pretty much everyone at any yeah. moment on screen. Just just amazing. Yeah, and it's so um, conversational as well. It's not like someone's reading from a script full of notes. The information's just to hand, so they just kind of rattle it off, but in a really flowing and, and like I say, conversational way. I really just love this commentary. Really, really great. All right, are there any other extras you'd like to recommend? I think we said last time the, the whole set is absolutely dripping. Yeah. With extras, it's really thorough. The book is absolutely lovely. I found it a very easy read. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I don't know. Without boring the audience too much, I, I'm on I'm on new meds 
and I I think a mix of those and the the writing style of the book meant I was surprised with I sat down and I read read it through and I absorbed it in a way that I haven't interacted with literature for many years. <laughs> Dan, I love that. I really love that. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that just in case there's anyone out there who's going through the same thing. If you don't mind, you don't have to. But, no, I don't um, mind at all. I don't mind like you know, my my only reticence is I feel like it's a it's a story people are hearing a lot these days because I think awareness has meant that a lot of people are getting checked for ADHD. I was lucky enough to have a partner supportive enough to push me into getting it like properly looked at and assessed because unfortunately one of the uh, one of the things about it means that you're probably not going to get around to doing that yourself left to your own devices and after a while it takes a takes a bit of time in this country i have my assessment and i'm now being tried out on advance medication and it's astonishing my interaction with some aspects of my work that I had found difficult in the past whether it was reading scripts that were fractionally different from scripts I had read before which I always found very difficult Mm -hmm. like hunting out changes in scripts because if I miss something that could be a disaster but also my brain does not want to reread a script right but like I can do that now I can keep thoughts in my head properly it's astonishing the the inside of my brain has gone from King's Cross Station at Russia to like the British Library it's amazing oh yeah i i i slightly moved by that dan like that that really i'm really really glad that um the 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 meds have have had such a positive effect and yeah i can really identify with that moment even something as simple as you know a free book in a in a blu-ray box set just pulling it out and maybe that was the first thing that you read after you went on the meds and that kind of profound oh holy shit I'm in a whole new world. Yeah. This is something completely... That's exactly what happened. Yeah, I really identify with that. So, fantastic. Well, this box set has done something special and unexpected um, for you. So, I really, yeah, I really, really love that. All right, well, let's move on to recommendations based on the film. I'm going to start, Dan, because I think my first yeah, first one's a risk. I think maybe we might have doubled up on this, but we'll see. Because to me, this feels like a really obvious one, but I can't not recommend it. It's such a fun film. It is Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, of course it is. Yes, yeah. we did double up, but that's absolutely fine. Let's talk about Rumble in the Bronx. Let's talk about it together. <laughs> and and there's a reason that we both went for it is because it does kind of feel like a remix of Way of the Dragon. It's another fish out of water tale, this time about a Hong Kong cop who travels to New York to visit a family member who runs a convenience store that is under threat from a gang, you know, like the Chinese restaurant in Way of the Dragon. And uh, he ends up having to protect it and them. And yeah, as well as the similar plot, it, it has the kind of slapstick silliness transitioning into brilliant, brilliant action. On the documentary, I think a couple of people say that Bruce Lee has never truly had a successor. I would argue that that does Jackie Chan a disservice um, because I think he is the closest we've got to Lee. And there are a couple more contenders as well, but Rumble in the Bronx, I recommend it. Dan, what were your thoughts on Rumble in the Bronx? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I remember being kind of surprised when I watched it, unlike the kind of the opposite of my experience with way of the dragon where i expected it to be very very serious and then it was it had much more comedy in it than i expected um by the time i saw rumble in the bronx i'd already seen like you know wheels on meals and uh project a and like a lot of the 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 stuff that ewan bio and uh sammo hung did with jackie like so i was very familiar with his output 
and so when Rumble in the Bronx came along, uh, if you remember that scene where he's like beaten by the gang and they pelt him with bottles in the alleyway, yeah, and I like that's really like quite dark. Absolutely, and, yeah, yeah. And that kind of threw me the other way. So I, I think it does. It, it connects to where the dragon, not just in in plot as you said, but also that mix, except yeah. that just as maybe Lee would have progressed into more comedy. Uh, had he had he you know been allowed to make films as he had he stayed allowed around longer mm. i think chan was doing some interesting stuff like dabbling with with the with the darker stuff there and stanley tong who directed it has actually produced uh, like a few of my like favorite films of the last decade both of which are super super serious as well mm. so mm. like i think that there's there was a little bit of a little bit of that going on in the in the collaboration there as well because he did uh, wild goose lake and long day's journey into night as a producer as well there you go. I mean, that's that's plenty of additional recommendations. And uh, is Wheels on Meals your your next recommendation? No, my no. Ne- although my next recommendation is another Jackie Chan movie. Well, let's 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 so. highlight Wheels on Meals then because I think that's a really really good supplemental recommendation, particularly because of Samo Hung. I think Samo was really influenced by Lee and Lee's philosophy that you should just be yourself. Um, yeah, as a as a martial artist, and really focus on the things that make you you and you unique. And Samo Hung definitely did that, and and absolutely mastered it. If you've only seen him on like US TV and you haven't seen any of his martial arts stuff, any of his action stuff, Samo Hung is one of the very best to ever do it. Another potential so successor, good. yeah, just stunning, stunning stuff so yeah wheels on meals is a good starting point for that so um, yeah and and again has some pretty good uh connections to uh to where the dragon as well chinese characters they're in europe although in this case it's spain and they're helping protect a friend's business although in this case it's not a restaurant it's a pickpocketing outfit <laughs> Uh, against another gang and they sort of get dragged in and things get bigger and bigger they're just trying to run out like a food cart aren't they yeah yeah um yeah it's it's amazing and and like you said samo and yenbio as well mm. just oh yeah like just these incredible action stars in their own right and they ended up being like quite i think overshadowed especially within cinema in the west by jackie chan yeah. um because he's such a big personality and because the yeah. you know because he moved into the solo stuff and got that big name for himself doing those death defying stunts with all the uh, the blooper reels at the end and stuff yeah, yeah. And really made a big thing for him and that's what i think to some extent uh, rumble in the bronx was the big transition to him as being seen as a solo star in the west definitely um, yeah but yeah the three of them together like stuff like project a and like that yeah they were so good together really really truly all right well we're going to count that as your first recommendation and i'm going to do my second recommendation (laughs) and that is the good the bad and the ugly it's in my opinion the greatest movie ever made clearly a key touchstone for bruce lee even though obviously musical stings aren't taken from this film loads of other stuff is taken from this film for way of the dragon the final battle you could say the final face-off taking place in a a round area <laughs> i think uh, is taken from the good the bad and the ugly and just loads of stylistic stuff so yeah it's it's literally one of the greatest films ever made i don't need to say any more about it i don't think other than those connections um and if you haven't seen it 
I am so, so jealous. You're in for one of the greatest movie watching experiences you will ever have. So jealous. I'll take any excuse to recommend my favourite film, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Dan, what's next from you? So I promised you another Jackie Chan movie. This one, again, features someone in uh, a country that isn't their home fighting against the odds. As I said, it's another uh, it's another Chan picture. It's another one that confounds maybe what audiences expect far more so than Rumble in the Bronx, which has had some serious moments and Jackie on his own. This is Shinjuku Incident, which is one of Jackie Chan's very few Cat 3 pictures from China, Cat 3 being the the Chinese equivalent of an 18 or an R rating. Jackie Chan's always been quite quite proud of not being violent in a character in the same way. A lot of his martial arts is about avoiding being hit rather than killing someone. There are no nut punches, uh, no fatal nut punches in any of his pictures but Shinjuku Incident is is quite a dark crime film a drama uh, and to my knowledge although I'm not necessarily super up to date on his very more recent stuff one of only three Cat 3 pictures that he did uh, alongside uh, Crime Story and Thunderbolt but it's uh, it's about a bunch of Chinese migrants who find their their way into Japan, uh, escaping from China, and end up as a sort of illegal immigrant underclass in Japan, uh, being taken advantage of and exploited by the yakuza. And Jackie Chan becomes a front man in this sort of social push back against the yakuza. It's a it's a very impressive, dramatic role uh, for Jackie, which you know you may not have seen from him before, um, because as amazing as he is, you know, twiddling chairs and jumping through ladders. Um, he doesn't do a lot of uh, emoting in his pictures and this shows that he really has the chops for that as well and then on top of that it's super violent so yeah it's got everything you want fantastic fantastic recommendation yeah I totally uh, endorse that one and that's it for recommendations based on the movie I've really really enjoyed talking about these films and once again can't recommend this box set any higher it's really really a, a beautiful beautiful lovingly put together celebration wonderful wonderful release arrow and i'm sure this is going to be in in many many people's best releases uh of the year lists at the end of the year in december when all the the websites do their best ofs because yeah it's just stunning 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 thing let's move on to recommendations based on the past couple of weeks dan why don't you go first i had my friend Jorg over and we finally got down to watching a film from last year that i've been meaning to watch for a while it's had a sequel since which i have not seen but i was chatting to a friend of the podcast andre martens and he said he'd got around to seeing it and it was as amazing as he'd hoped and it lit a fire under me so we fired up shin ultraman from oh, 2022 good. by shinji higuchi it is amazing I would like everyone out there making fantasy movies and like comic book movies to look at the VFX in this. It is obviously a digital heavy movie, although it has a lot of practical in it as well. And the way the lightning and electrical arcs are animated in this film is the perfect modernization of the old, like painted on analog light animations from the uh, Ghostbusters era. It's absolutely perfect. They don't feel artificial in that way, but they still have character in a way that a lot of the modern stuff just doesn't have. I think we still struggle to say exactly why digital stuff leaves us cold when it isn't perfect. The Shin Ultraman stuff isn't perfect in that it is stylized, it isn't perfectly realistic, but it is absolutely wonderful. The whole film feels 
delightful and it's incredibly fast-paced incredibly like it's non-stop craziness and it's absolutely brilliant like the creatures are fantastic there's loads of them yeah i can't recommend it highly enough same director uh, uh shinji higuchi did uh shin godzilla as well and uh, yeah they're both amazing but but shin Ultraman, just incredible yeah, I, I absolutely second and endorse that recommendation. I saw Shin Ultraman. They played it in Portland for like one night only. The um, the subtitled oh, wow. version was just for one night only. And I went to see it um, with, with a bunch of friends. And yeah, it was just so, so glorious to behold. My only criticism or quibble is the fact that they kind of, throw away a lot of the ultra Q monsters in like the yeah, opening fair. montage. And while I was so like, obviously I was so happy to see them in that montage, but it just got me so fucking excited and hyped that they were going to come back and then they didn't. But, um, cause ultra Q is my favorite season of Ultraman, even though, um, Ultraman doesn't feature in it. Um, I I, st- <laughs> I I love Ultra Q so much. It's fucking um, if oh god, if there's anyone listening to this who hasn't watched Ultra Q, who loves uh, kaiju movies, then um, you're in for a, a magnificent treat. It's black and white. It's kind of a, a mashup between the Twilight Zone and and the X Files, and yeah, the the team encounter a different monster every week in like twenty minute episodes that manage to fit so much into them. Um, yeah absolutely fantastic but yeah chin ultraman i love it dan i'm so glad you saw it what a movie have you seen shin carmen rider yet i haven't yet no actually no, i haven't i haven't i'm hoping to watch that in the next few weeks oh um, fantastic yeah. yeah excellent well let me know how it is for me this week i have been on a bit of a martial arts kick so my both of my recently watched recommendations are uh, ones that could even have been recommendations based on the film but i'm going to start with magnificent warriors because the work of michelle yeo is a real blind spot for me but i'm absolutely going to be embarking on a voyage of discovery after checking out magnificent warriors which has made it high into my favorite films of all time on a first viewing it's essentially a riff on indiana jones with incredible kung fu and Yeo's Harrison Ford levels of watchability. Magnificent Warriors is pure entertainment. Yeo lights up the screen whenever she's on it, and her martial arts flows so beautifully, I'd rank her as a Bruce Lee successor too. Just so, so much charm and charisma. Uh, The story sees Yeo's rogue pilot sent to help a Chinese spy fight a sinister plot during the Second Sino-Japanese War, but it's really just an excuse to string together action set piece after action set piece. Magnificent Warriors, I loved it, and I'll be watching much more Michelle Yeoh from this point on. Dan, do you have any recommendations for for other movies I should check out? Uh, oh my goodness, come back to me. I'm going to think about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. She was she she was another one of those names where you're like, yep, I'll take anything like back in the old days before you know before streaming before boutique blu-rays when we used to get our martial arts films from the the various back rooms of the of the little food markets in chinatown yeah and you'd go in and you'd be like right what's the new stuff uh okay i'm gonna take yeah oh heroic trio i'll take that Hmm. uh in the line of duty the new in the line of duty film i'll take that like these amazing movies Mm -hmm. and yo was one of the one of the names where you just go yep i immediately trust this yeah i actually just like like, and and hung and and all those guys yeah 
I just ordered um, the In the Line of Duty box set that 88 Films just put out. So um, I'm... They did what now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a yep, box well, set of the first, I think it's the first four films. And amazing. It, it comes with a hardback book as well. So, um, Or at least a, a lengthy book. I don't know if it's hardback, but it comes with a book, I think 100 pages and the first four movies. So I'm going to work my way through those next. Very, very excited. Yeah. Nice. What's next from you? I've I've gotten all distracted, Sam. I want, <laughs> I want the other line of duty book set. <laughs> um, next from me is a picture from Radiance Films, the label from Fran Simone, who set up Arrow. Uh, a lot of his titles are appearing on the Arrow uh, player. Uh, this is not yet, but it's a very recent release from them, so I suspect it will turn up in the near future. It's a Robert Altman picture I had never seen. It's Ocean Stiggs from nice. 1985. Sam, if you found the gay baddie difficult in Way of the Dragon... Ocean Stiggs is going to stick in your throat like trying to swallow a javelin sideways because <laughs> holy fuck this is an offensive movie Okay, yeah, um, yeah. It, it is so unhinged it is bordering on surreal Altman has by and large like gone away like done away with a lot of the things that people would think of as quintessentially Altman um it's based on a National Lampoon's property, and ostensibly, it's a frat movie. Like, it's about right. these... I mean, it's not about a frat. It's about two very fratty boys on their summer holidays just fucking going around causing shit and trolling people. And and they are very offensive young men. Everyone else is very offensive. Everyone in this film is terrible. Some of them are terrible in ways that the film recognises. Some of them are ways some of them are terrible in ways that maybe wouldn't come to light until society got its head out of its ass a little bit. But it's an absolutely fascinating mess. It was it was basically like buried when it was made. I think pretty much everybody hated it. And you can kind of see why anyone who spent money making it might. <laughs> Because there's no way it was going to be commercially successful then. And I think now, even now, if it wasn't Altman, it would be languishing somewhere. Mm. Like, the fact that it's Altman has meant that it's it, 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 it at least gets the light of a second chance. I'm baffled. I still don't really know what I thought about it. It's so weird. But I just feel other people should watch it so I can talk to them about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of my um, blind spots for Altman. So I've heard it's pretty bad but if it's bad and interesting then i'll definitely check it out for sure there's a there's a like a montage at the beginning where these guys have saved up a little bit of money collecting and selling rare stamps and they're going to go buy a car that's going to do them for the summer and they go to a, a garage and they're like hey we want to buy a car it's got to be the ugliest thing that's ever existed we want it to offend people if we were to drive by a funeral in it right and and it has to have really shitty mileage like no miles to the gallon and then and they buy this like not like battered old vehicle and then they proceed to have like all of the worst things done to it at different shops around town just so they've got the worst car so they have the roof torn off and they have it given monster truck wheels it's very weird fantastic and and that feels like maybe it's a mission statement for the movie who knows yeah very interesting yeah. and i've actually been watching some kind of bad and potentially offensive but also interesting and incredible uh movies recently that um 
totally coincidentally. So Shay and I have been working our way through Bruno Matai movies for VHS Quest. We have done uh, Born to Fight, Cop Game, and um, we're going to carry on working our way through the kind of his action stuff. And totally coincidentally, they've all gone up on Arrow's streaming service. Like, <laughs> very bizarre coincidence. So if you're listening to this now, you will be able to watch any of these incredible movies. And they do contain some incredibly inf- offensive kind of racial stuff. But again, it's worth persevering through because Jesus Christ, like Cop Game has a, a, a chase sequence where they are very, very clearly using a toy car and cutting to people pretending to drive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so, so fun and silly. So, yeah, uh, talk about those more in depth on VHS Quest, but you can watch them for yourself on the Arrow streaming service right now. So, uh, But that is not my next recommendation, Dan. Instead, my next recommendation is The Peacock King, which is obviously Amazing. more fantasy martial arts than, than you know traditional kung fu with a, a heavy, heady dose of pure insanity uh peacock king follows a couple of monks who are tasked with stopping a hell king from rising up into our our realm through a devil hole uh, or several devil holes and uh these guys punch dinosaurs and squish little gremlin guys along the way it has near constant action beautiful stop motion special effects and an insane final act that will have you jumping for joy uh, there is an action set piece in this that is kind of on the scale of Ultraman, um, but done in a really um, deranged way. And so, yeah, Peacock King fits more into 84 minutes than most modern movies manage in three hours. And I completely recommend it. Dan, I know you're a fan of this movie. Um, how do you feel about Peacock King's appeal? I absolutely love it. I, it like So there's another example. So this is a Yen Bio picture. Yeah. Um, but an, another name that on a, on a spine in the old days of the Chinatown DVD pickup uh, that would always, always guarantee a purchase was Nyai Choi Lam, who uh, is one of the directors alongside Yun Bio uh, for this. Um, uh, often credited as Simon Nam, he directed Story of Ricky, uh, he did The Cat, he did, what's that, what's the Chayon Fat picture he did, the the, the horror Chayon Fat that's like um, Indiana Jones with bigger puppets. Seventh oh, Curse. Yeah, Seventh Curse, Seventh Curse. Yeah, Seventh Curse is amazing. I think I talked about that recently on the show, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just astonishing, delightful, delightful movies, and and yeah. So he's a he's a guaranteed. I don't think I've seen everything of his. Maybe I'll maybe I'll work my way through his uh, his direction list. Another guaranteed name, Raymond Chow. We should talk about Raymond Chow again because yeah. he produced The Big Boss, he produced Way of the Dragon, and he also produced Peacock King. So he is a and Rumble in the Bronx as well. Actually, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I think Rumble in the Bronx, Peacock King, and Wheels on Meals all share a writer as well. Oh, holy shit. Because I, I think it's the same guy that did Magnificent Butcher for Samo. I love it. That is the Arrow video podcast through and through. All these connections, all of this wonderful, wonderful world of cinema just waiting for you if you've missed any of it. What an episode this is without wanting to <laughs> toot our own horn. But <laughs> if you watch everything we've mentioned in this episode and if there's any in there that you haven't seen before, my God, what a, a triumph you're in for uh, of cinema. I love it. All right, well, that's it, right? Do you have another one? No, no, I think that's it. That's it. So let's move that's on it. to extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features. No extra features, so no extra instead features. 
I'm gonna ask. Oh, you know what? Go on. We, let's let's just very quickly. We, so we talked about maybe doing something from the M, Enter the Empire, uh, Enter the Video Store Empire box set. Still haven't Have you had received it. yours yet. You haven't had it yet. No. Do you know which one you will want to talk about when you get it? I've got no idea. No, I need to get oh, it first. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've, I've, I've watched a handful and I was going to rave about ones that we weren't going to talk about specifically on the show, but I can wait until we do that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. No extra features. That's it. That's Nothing. it. So instead, I'm just going to ask you to go to patreon.com forward slash VHS quest, uh, where I'm putting up weekly discussions of movies, mostly on VHS, but there are some Blu-rays in the mix. Whenever we cover a VHS that has a Blu-ray, we do talk about the Blu-ray release as well. And uh, yeah, it's me and Shay talking about stuff, deciding where on the shelf we're going to put it. Uh, and we also have drops. So when we don't like a movie, you'll hear this. Oh, no. And when we do like a movie, you'll hear this. And both of those are quotes that have been taken from films that we've watched along the way. So I do fold in clips and quotes from uh, the weirdest shit that we watch. So VHS Quest, it's over on Patreon. It's $4 a month. So it's a dollar a week for an episode a week. You're going to love it. Check us out. Dan. What's uh, what's the way that people can follow you and enjoy your thoughts on the internet? I post things on uh, Twitter for now at Thirteen Finger FX. Uh, it's the same on Instagram. I'm also on Blue Sky at Thirteen Finger FX dot B Sky. Yeah, come say hi. Ask me about buying films in a little back room in Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here for. All right, I absolutely love it. And yeah, that's it from you for a, for a little while. The next episodes are going to be me and Shay. Not sure what we're covering yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be something that you would have rented, not necessarily from the back of a shop, but uh, from the back of a video store because that's our main, our main area of interest right now. So next time we'll be covering something. But until then, Dan, we'll miss you. What are you going to be up to in the, in the next month or so, do you think? I'm going to be back and forth between London and Wales. We're starting production on a quite big TV series. It's going to see us filming until November, end of November this year. It's logistically uh, probably one of the biggest things I've ever done. Just the sheer number of, of makeup artists we're going to need and, and days we're going to be applying uh, prosthetics to people. I'm very excited to share it uh, probably next year sometime fantastic excellent well yeah let us know what it is when it does come out and uh like i said we'll miss you a lot but we'll see you uh, in a couple of episodes time and until then thank you so much for listening and we promise to be more professional yes. professional next time time bye-bye bye, -bye. <laughs> bye.